Hey gang, welcome to the new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Petchy. Um, this episode's a really exciting one for me because I actually get to sit down and have a conversation with one of my favorite illustrators and graphic designers, uh, this dude called Ash Thorpe. I don't know if you've seen his stuff yet, uh, but before the episode begins, take a moment and run over to his website. It's ashthorpe.com. Uh, you can take a look at all of the really cool projects that he's worked on. He's done uh, graphic design work for like major motion pictures like uh, the new Total Recall. He did uh, uh, all of the, I think he did all the adverts, the CG advertisements in the Ghost in the Shell movie. Um, and then he's done some amazing uh, personal projects. He actually did a super cool fan Ghost in the Shell uh, short film. It isn't even a short film. He actually just shot for shot did the uh, opening credits for the animated uh, feature and he did them CG and shot a bunch of stuff with it. And if you go to his website, he actually has it laid out where you can and see his process, see like uh, the concept work and see it all come together. He has great behind the scenes videos, uh, super talented guy and uh, a dude that I hopefully I get to work with. So one of the reasons why I love doing the show is I get to talk to people and sort of find out if they're super cool in real life. Um, so sit back, relax, enjoy the new episode. Uh, hey Ash, welcome to, uh, my show. Welcome to the new episode of In Love With The Process. I'm really excited to have you on the show. I've been a fan of your stuff for actually a few years now. Uh, quietly internet stalking, I think is a polite way of nice. saying it. <laughs> but, awesome. uh, yeah, thanks for being on, man. Thank you um, for reaching out. You know, I really appreciate it. It's very, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's always, uh, I'm a bit shy with this stuff. So it's, I appreciate it. So thank you. Yeah. It wouldn't, it, may, it doesn't make sense cause I do these, you know, but it's like weird for me to be interviewed. <laughs> yeah. To be on the other side is always like, Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's un unfortunately it's, it's the beast these days. Like you have to, uh, you have to be a bit of a personality uh, as well as being, you know, a talent as far as directing or, or anything else is concerned. So it's a noisy world right now. That's for sure. Oh man. Yeah. Un unreal. Unreal. So, yeah. um, so for the audience that uh, may not know who you are, so you are, you, uh, have, have been a really great illustrator, graphic designer. Um, you also direct, uh, commercials and short films at this point, right? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, uh, there's so many, th I, I'm just really curious about everything and, um, I try not to wear like any main titles. Like I'm not like, Oh, I'm a designer. And then I try to just kind of do it all. Um, whatever I'm interested in, that's just what I do. So, um, I've, you know, I've done everything from illustrations to, um, design to working on feature films to working on AAA games to, pretty much everything. And I think what's really kept me inspired and going is just constantly being curious about the process of everything at the same time, finding my own process. And then through that, um, infusing as much of my taste and my own opinions on things as much into the work. And that kind of defines my style, which I'm constantly working at basically. And it's like a summation and a culmination of all those things. So, and I'm currently completely obsessed with like cameras and cinematography and I'm tying that into the CGI work that I do. So, it's all encompassing and I guess I would just consider myself more or less a hybrid creative. So, or just a high, just a creative person in general. So, yeah. Well, let's, let's give it a little backstory. When, uh, when did you decide that you wanted to get into this? Was there some sort of thing that happened to you when you were a kid? Did you see something that inspired you? Did you pick up a pencil? Like where did it start? 
I came from a very creative family. My mom is still an artist and she was an artist then and she was um, always drawing and very supportive of my art forms and just doing illustrations and, and all that kind of stuff because we grew, I grew up very poor so it was like you could afford a pen and paper and a box to draw on basically so I've been drawing and doing this stuff since forever obviously touchstone films such as like you know Jurassic Park and um, you know for me it was like the labyrinth uh, Roger uh, who framed Roger Rabbit their original <laughs> Star Wars you know like all those kind of classic films that really you know, the, the original Alien, I mean, there's, you know, original Blade Runner. I got into Blade Runner later on in life, but I mean, there's, there's the catalyst. There isn't just one thing. It was all of those things. You know, I, I recently listened to a documentary on uh, Leonardo da Vinci, um, the audiobook, and it was just fascinating. And the thing I really loved about something I felt somewhat similar to him, not that I'm saying, I mean, and even in the same realm of him, but is that he was very curious about all these things. And, and he had a very like inquisitive nature about just all the things. And I think it just kind of comes from your spirit within at a very early age. Mm. And I was just thankful to be in a family that supported my inquisitive nature of all things, math, science, engineering, um, everything, basically it's all just all encompassed. So, yeah, I can't really say one thing, you know, I was like, I could say it was the time I saw Akira, but then I was drawing before then I could say it was Todd McFarlane's comics, but it was before him. It was like, there's so <laughs> many things that like summarize, you know, or get me to that spot, you know? So, yeah. Well, it's, it's very refreshing to hear that, uh, you know, you had a very supportive upbringing and that, mm -hmm. uh, it was a very creative environment. I, I too was very fortunate with that. Um, you know, I grew up as the oldest of four and, uh, you know, I learned pretty early on from my, my dad who is actually in finance, uh, but he, he loved to be an artist on the side, um, that, you know, if you wanted to win, uh, a Halloween costume event as a kid, it's better to make the costume than it is to go out and buy one. And, you know, mm. if and we'd put on like, you know, family pageants for Christmas as a gift for my mother. So we'd actually act out like, <laughs> like that's like, amazing, like really cheesy, uh, you know, um, cartoons as our, as kids, there are videotapes of this that I swear to God, I got to get leaked at some point. <laughs> that's amazing. That's so great. I mean, that's, that's awesome. You know, you can't put a price on that kind of stuff, you know? No, it's, um, it, it's, it, it's very true that like, you know, setting, if you decide, I, I mean, I don't have any kids yet, but if I decide to have kids, I, I just want to make sure that I uh, pass that along as well, because there's so much negativity um, out today. And, and a lot of people that, that are unfortunate and they do come from, from really bad situations. And, and, and out of that, it doesn't mean that you have to come from like a really good family background to be creative. I've met some amazing artists that, that come from a, a tougher background and they actually use that and um, use a creative outlet to express that. So it, it's, it's just really nice to hear that, uh, that there is other folks out there that, that do come from like a good back history, like good creative back history. You know what I mean? It just, it just really helps. You know, I think if you don't have it, it's just another hurdle for you to have to go through. If you're a very passionate person, no matter who you are, you're going to eventually run into loopholes or, or, or pitfalls or, you know, whatever it might be, depression or the quote unquote artist block and all that kind of shit. Yeah. And it's so much easier to get through that crap when you have a supportive circle. But I do know that if it's too supportive, it actually hinders the art form as well. So it's a nice balance between being supportive, but at the same time being realistic. So it's, it's, I think it, you know, cause if everybody just tells you your art's great, you're never going to grow. I think, you know, <laughs> you need that, 
you need that like shake of, of, of reality, you know, um, which is good. And it's also bad too. It depends on where it comes from, obviously, and how you take it. But it's, it's isn't it interesting that we're repeating our habits from when we were a kid? Cause if you're making films and stuff and you're doing that, I mean, it's like, it's one in the same and this, and, the, and it has the soul of it, you know, and we're just repeating those habits over and over. I just always get fascinated by it. Cause it's just like, what the hell? It's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, constantly going over it. I mean, it's so interesting that, you know, when you're at those real formative years, you know, when you're talking about like preteens and, and late adolescence kind of stuff, um, and you have like these really strong reactions, at least as a director, I know that I'm constantly trying to recreate a feeling that I got at that age, you know, like at mm. eight, eight years old when I watched the first Nightmare on Elm Street and how much <laughs> and how much that actually scared me. And then oh, yeah. the longer we work in this business and the longer you, you, it's like learning the magician's trick. So it becomes a lot harder to be scared that same way. And I find that when I'm making movies, I'm trying to set up the same sort of environment that scared me when I was eight years old. Uh, so that I can be scared a minute for a minute again. You know what I mean? Spielberg is the master of that. He really is. And oh I think God. he's still a, a child at heart. And he's one of those guys that somehow managed to really figure out a way of being an adult, that bit, you being a child at the same time. So he's like a modern day Peter Pan, really, you know, if you think about it. Yeah, man. It's just like the way that he, because you feel in his work, even to this day, like I watched Tintin as probably one of his last, like I didn't watch his uh, Ready Player One yet, but like Tintin had so much like childlike funny euthanisms and energy to it. It's just like, ah, oh, it's so great. And even think about how old he was when he made like even Goonies or like even yeah. Jurassic Park has tons of like, you know, childlike humor to it. So, but yeah, it's, it is hard. It is hard because it is so easy to become jaded, um, in this industry cause it'll just grind you down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this, yeah, <laughs> it's a marathon, not a sprint. So <laughs> it's very much yeah. so a marathon, yeah. man. And, yeah. you know, like uh, I, I constantly find myself trying to stay connected to that. You know, there was a, a mm-hmm. short period of time when I was, you know, uh, earlier on in the business, when I was hanging out with a bunch of film nerds that were all my age and we would all sit around and you'd start to talk about like, who's a real director and what's, what is the best movie? And, and it really started to become over anal- analytical. And I actually found myself at a certain point going, ah, fuck, I'm not actually having fun with this anymore. Like, this is way too judgmental. Like, I, we need to get back to what uh, the root of all this is. And, and for me as a director, I obviously am making and telling stories that I believe in and telling stories that affect me, but I, ultimately I'm making movies for an audience and I, I really get off on either scaring an audience or, um, you know, having them sort of hit all the cues that I've set up, um, and, and really just sort of making it and experience the same experience that I had once again, back when I was eight years old and saw Nightmare on Elm Street, or like I posted recently on my Instagram, I think one of my favorite movies of all time, <laughs> it's funny. One of my favorite movies of all time is uh, Godzilla 1985. <laughs> oh, I, I don't even think I've seen it. Oh, it's so good, dude. It happens in like 1980s Japan. So it has sort of like that dark, uh, it's not quite neo-noir, but it's it, it almost slightly Akira, sort of Japan. And they, hmm. bu- they built these, this rad miniatures and they started to do like animatronics with the actual suit. Uh, it's really dark. And it, 1985? Yeah. It, I mean, if the actual Japanese release was 1984 and then they 
took them a, a year to get it over here to the U.S. And of course they had to put Raymond Burr back in it. And of course they had to like mm. have like a whole American subplot that was never in the uh, Japanese one. But that's the one I saw first, the super cheesy America one. And I fell fucking in love with it. Mm. Um, and that movie influences me. Like the way the light, the way they, they light the city, the way they light mm. the miniatures, uh, the music is phenomenal in that movie. Super rad. Isn't that interesting though about making art is how much of it is based on influence, you know, like art is a, from my perspective, it's, it's the more you consume and the more like raw you consume things, the, the better your art is almost because it's like you're taking in so much information and so much of what you take in. But the, the, the real sketchy thing is like, when to take it in and, and how to find it. Right. And as a kid, I think that's why we, things are so less, like I just watched hereditary the other day and I was really expecting it to be a special thing for me, but it wasn't at all. And I was like, damn it. You know, like I wanted it to be this like thing. I'm not, I'm not bashing at it at all. Um, I have, you know, I have my own opinion if it's different from other people, don't get mad at me, but, um, uh, you know what, I'm going to put yeah. my neck out in the line here and agree with you completely because right now everybody, I, I was out in LA for the week. Uh, and yeah. everybody out there is, I mean, literally jacking off to that movie. And I thought oh, it was cool. Pass. I thought it was, I thought it was cool. Um, yeah, you mean Roseberry, the hereditary baby? Yeah, ex exactly. <laughs> there it is. There it is. I almost yeah. did a post the other day going, check out the new trailer and just posted the Rosemary's baby trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it, the thing is, I mean, you get influences from everything and I, yeah. and I feel like I, I don't want to insult the filmmaker and the people that made it because I don't know what, and then they're, they're, they're way ahead of me because I haven't made a feature film and I haven't made something nearly as big or as crazy as that. So I really don't have a, I don't have a place to stand and have an opinion to be completely honest. I mean, I have my own opinion as a consumer, but I don't have like a legitimate opinion, you know, if you know what I mean? Like to be fair enough to them. Um, but yeah, at the same yeah. time, it's, it's, it, it, it's either a thing, a film does something for you or it doesn't. And, you know, you go to these experiences, it's a quite an archaic experience thing. If you can think about it, we sit in a dark room with a bunch of strangers and we, watch this thing. And if it's done really well, it'll excite you or make you sad or make you feel a certain way or take you back to a certain memory. And mm -hmm. if it's not done well, it's just going to make you feel really angry and upset, you know? So, but I don't know if it's so it's, 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 I'm still processing this every day. Like, you know, what am I thinking right now? Why am I watching this? Why is this frame like this? You know, like the, every question <laughs> imaginable, where's the light coming from? Well, what lens is that? Okay. Well, why is that there? And what, that's interesting part of dialogue or that scene could have been acted better. They wish they did another take of that or wonder how, how they did that one thing, you know? So it's like for, I think, I, I think it, you just mentioned it too, like how you would decipher these things with your friends and it removed the, the magic. It's of course it does because when you're sitting there watching magic being taken taking place, you just sit there and experience the magic and then your mind shuts off and just lets, lets it be. Yep. When you try to analyze the magic, it removes that and brings the logical sense in and then it kind of removes you from the actual art form itself and depletes all excitement usually. Um, yeah, it's just really funny, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, an, it's, it's a, because you have to analyze things and for me, I, I end up going through, at least now, what I try to do is I try to, to, to take note of all the things that impress me, whether it is the way they covered a scene or whether it is, uh, you know, visually what that lens choice is saying about the character. And I just sort of lock these things away and I, I put them in sort of my toolbox. Mm -hmm. um, and oftentimes that's the place that I go when I'm prepping a movie. So like if, if I'm going through a script or from, and I like to storyboard everything myself. So like if I'm going Good. through... 
um, and starting there, that is the most creative part for me is like when mm. you're, when you're sitting down to do that storyboard process, cause there are no fucking rules yet, you know? Yeah. And, you yeah. Know? Um, and at that point, that's when I usually reach into that toolbox, you know, like if I'm reading, yeah. if I'm reading in the script that a character does something specific and I want the audience to feel, to empathize with that, I go, oh, okay, well, right. Remember when they did this in this movie, that was really great. And they used that lens thing. Okay. I'm not going to rip mm. that off, but understanding what sure. that reaction was, maybe I'll use something similar. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah, sure. And, and you can, I think that's a, you just mentioned it too, which I think is really in interesting and very important to remember too. And from lots of artists, maybe even starting out early is there's an ethical issue and just, you just blat blatantly rip things off. It's like one thing to take, but it's another thing to rip, rob, you know? So it's like, it's like a, it's so hard, right? It's so hard to find that ground. And I think for creatives in our place and time, when people have made so many great pieces of work prior, the art form itself is, you know, like you just went to Hollywood, like, you know, they're looking for the next thing, you know, they're constantly mining for it. And it's, it's like, we haven't had an, I mean, I don't know, maybe we have, and I've dismissed it or I'm just jaded about it, but like the last <laughs> big, like smasher was like the matrix, I think, or maybe inception or something, you know, like Hollywood smash, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm trying to say there's, hasn't been great films cause there's been amazing films. Some of my favorite films have come out as of recent, like, you know, there will be blood, um, no country for old men. Those sure. films are an outstanding. They're in my top five, top 10 really. Um, sure. But, yeah. I'm just, you know, saying, you know, the, the, the mega smashers, you know, they're like, what I'm getting at is a lot of it. it's, it's hard to make art is hard and originality is hard, but like, there's no such thing in my opinion as originality. Cause it's all culmination. It's how you mix, you mix the recipes. It's like Mexican food, you know, like <laughs> Mexican food is basically all the same ingredients if you think about it. So let's look at, let's decipher it. A taco, somebody says one's a taco and says, somebody says the other one's a burrito. Sure. There are different things and it's good that you've categorized them, but they're basically the same thing. They have like a, a tortilla, one's yeah. made of corn, one's made out of flour, but they're usually containing the same ingredients. You have a meat, you have a cheese and you have like a bean or something, you know? And for the <laughs> most part, it's the same thing. Oh, it's a tostada. Oh, it's nachos. It's like, okay, well the nachos are just corn tortillas, but they're fried. And then then you put the same stuff on top of it this time. So it's like, and, and you could do that with all food groups, you know, like are all types of food, they really kind of break down into, they yeah. transition into different things, you know? So <laughs> it's the ingredients and how you combine them. I think that's the trick. I usually relate things to food in my mind. So, cause it's so commonplace and so easy, you know? So Well, you and I do the same thing. I always end up back at food on this podcast. It always goes that way. <laughs> Good, I love food. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I you know food what? Forever. For me, and I've said this before, for me, cooking is, ah, filmmaking, like directing is, is such a long, 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 long con. Like it's this long process <laughs> where like you, you have to come up with a really great idea. You beat yourself up. You're processing <laughs> that idea. You know, if you're working with a writer, you both are sort of trudging through this to try to make it the best it possibly can be, you know, sealing up any potential holes that could show up. And then uh, there it is in its glory on a script page, on a page done. And then you have to go through the process of convincing somebody, uh, to back you and convincing somebody to, to support this thing. And then if you're fortunate enough to do that, there are going to be alterations and changes that happen in order to placate the folks that, that need that, you know, cause mm -hmm. it is a commerce game and you have to figure all that kind of stuff out. And yeah. then you go through this process of casting and then you go to the crew and blah, 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 all the way through. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a two year, 
at least sometimes 10. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I have, I watched, sp- I watched Gavin go through the Ender's game process. It took him about 10 years to get oh Ender's my game all God, the way through. Dude. Like, yeah. I mean, kill me now. And I, yeah, it was a gnarly process for him. He'd bled for that whole, the whole time. I was like, dude, <laughs> <laughs> so gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, more of attrition. Yeah. And I always come back to food because food does the same for me, cooking a good meal. And I love cooking for people. For me, cooking a good meal is like directing. Um, and if you, you know, if you, if you have a big meal and you have a couple people working with you in the kitchen, you're sort of directing them on what to do, like cut up the, you know, do this and cut up the onions and do all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But then you get to deliver, uh, uh, a sense, like a sensory story, like a story that uses all your senses. Um, and, uh, you get the payoff in like a lot faster. Yeah. Very fast. (laughs) Yeah. It's usually, yeah. An hour, two hours. And then you get that. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, I think the long con is a great way to look at it at the same time. It's, it's, it's such a, it's such a marathon. It's an art form. I think it's, uh, there's a couple art forms that's been trumping me for the, since my creation. And one of them is comics. I always want to be a comic book artist and I just had the <laughs> hardest time being a comic book artist. So I, and also the, the whole industry and everything has shifted. It's not like I can't stop everything I'm doing and go be a comic book artist. I could do it if I really wanted to. It's just like, I would have to change so much about my lifestyle and my family to, in order to make that switch happen. I just don't feel it would be fair to them for me to fulfill one of my childhood, like, you know, (laughs) worshiping (laughs) secrets. But the other one is filmmaking. Filmmaking, I feel is another one of those, like, I I mean, I do stuff in CGI and and when you do stuff in computer, it's, 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 it's difficult. It has definitely has its own issues, but it's, it's so different from the dynamics that you get when you're just saying, Hey, okay, action. And then you're like, well, that sucks. Yeah. Okay. Try it again. (laughs) And then you get it and it's like, you have this feeling, right? It's like almost like before you've ever tasted cilantro, you know, there's this kind of like this weird, interesting vegetable that like accelerates taste. And you're like, but you don't know which one it is until like you go to the grocery store and try every fucking thing. And then you go, Oh, here's the cilantro, you know, <laughs> ah, and there's nothing like cilantro, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, um, you know, I was just, I, I'm working on my next short. I have two right now. I always, I don't know if you're the same way, but I do two projects at once, passion projects at once, mm-hmm. if not three or four, but I do them because I like to tandem bounce. I'm definitely, I think maybe more or less aligned with like, I think Ridley Scott does the same thing, but one of my best friends, Anthony Scott Burns, he's an incredible talent. He's one of my mentors in film. He can only do one at the same time because, because I really admire him because he just focuses on that one thing. But for me, I go like, Hey, my brain's exhausted on this one. I've I've tried to put all this effort in. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to release that. I'm going to go to this one. And by the time I come back, I usually have a lot of energy and rethinking, restructuring. <laughs> and then I go, okay. So, but I'm, I've been, I just kind of had like a, like I hate myself moment last week. So he helped <laughs> me out. So <laughs> I know you probably go through those too. Cause you're just like, this sucks. I suck. This isn't going to work. It's not as good as it needs to be. It needs oh, to be better. Dude, yeah. <laughs> dude, dude, yeah. dude. I mean, yeah. like, uh, I sent you, my two, sh- my two shorts, right? I, I, yep. I sent you both those. The second one, uh, which I haven't released the title of yet, that's why I'm not putting it, but the uh, one uh, that happens at Christmas time. Um, yes. That one we did after we went out to uh, Hollywood with the first, 12KM. Um, mm-hmm. 
that one, uh, we actually went out and pitched to a bunch of different uh, production companies. Uh, and uh, once we get off the air here, I can tell you who we're going with. It's pretty awesome. Rad. Very um, cool, man. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty rad, dude. Um, so when we went out there and did that, we had pitched to a bunch of different companies that I was really fucking bummed out that we didn't get in with and they passed on. And I was mm. really fucking bummed out about it. And I was like, God damn it. I, I, I've always wanted to work for those guys. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I sort of had sort of this down sort of period on it. And, and what I did is I just talked to them and I was like, okay, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? Like, what have you guys, what are you guys looking for? Like, what kind of genres are you looking for? That kind of stuff. And then I came back home and I, I uh, hooked up with my writer, Will Simmons, and we did an exercise and we said, okay, look, we'll give ourselves a couple of days and let's work within these parameters and see if, uh, you know, uh, something will work, something clicks, something that we want to tell a story of, you know? And, uh, we did, we found something, we found something that was really rad. Um, and it was so, it was like a great inspirational moment for us where it was like, we got this idea. Great. Boom. Write it down. Boom. Awesome. I'll film it next month. I'll edit it. So we, I mean, this was something that we conceived in, in December and mm -hmm. I had shot by March. Awesome. It's just, yeah, I think what I've realized is you, the thing that I've learned from this process so far, and I could be completely wrong, but it's just kind of how I work is I try to control it as much as my, as I can by doing everything as possible, like shooting it, casting it, writing it, everything. Cause I'm a bit of a control freak and I'm okay with understanding that until I can hire people that are better than me, which there's tons of people I'm sure that are much, much better than I am. This is my newbie ass at this stuff. <laughs> but the, the one thing is, is I found that the, my favorite part of making these things is just like the times and the good times that you have with the people that you make them with and choosing to do them with the right people and having a good time because you really can control those other things. Like you can't control the popularity contest at Warner brothers or whatever it might be, or Amblin or whatever you don't, you can't read those people's minds you can just make the thing that you can and if you're being genuine in your form of communication with your films if it re registers with them it does if it doesn't then it's just like well it's just not made to be and it's like dealing with that I think like what Anthony and I were talking about and he was like you know all my life I wanted to be David Fincher but he's like I'm realizing I'm more like John Carpenter <laughs> and it's like it's like and I was like yeah maybe I'm more like a weirdo Terrence Malick Lynch and I gotta just deal with that like as much as I watch these other guys killing it as much as I wish I could be a Spielberg I could probably mimic him but I wouldn't be honest to myself I think yeah. that you have to make and it's kind of weird with this art form. I think it kind of just reveals itself to you. Like I'm a big fan of say like, um, I'm looking at his art now and I'm blanking on it. What the hell? Um, Mignola's Mignola's work who did, he does all the art for Hellboy. Yep. I could, I can mimic his art style. Sure. Anybody I think that puts the time to can mimic somebody. They could be a photocopier. There's a lot of those, but when I start drawing and I'm really just drawing for me, it like doesn't look anything like his, you know? Yeah. And I, get, and then, and I get depressed and I go, fuck, I suck. I'm not like as good as him. And then I realize after drawing like my own style for months and months and months, I start to iron it out and go, you know what? I kind of like my own style and, and it's okay to have your own style. And that's just, it's just a part of the metamorphosis. And I think it's because I'm still very new to making films. I'm just in that really like fucking fetus state. Where I'm just like, oh, I'm, I suck. <laughs> you know, it sucks. And it's also because I'm doing it all my, I'm doing it all on my own. You know, like mostly, not all of it, but. But that's I mean, that's just, that's good though. 
That's good. Mm. That's good that you're doing it on your own. And that's one thing, because I'm out in Boston, man, and that's where I live. And this is where I do most of my stuff. And I went to school in New York and I, I, I was, after school, I was faced with that. Do I stay? Do I not? Do I go home? What do I do? And I ended up coming back into this city because I knew with my resources, I could make stuff so much bigger than yeah. if I was, if I had such a high overhead. And you know, for quite some time, you know, when you're doing the long, slow eight years, nine year plus uh, <laughs> fucking rise before anybody gives a shit about you, yeah. um, you're, you're That's quite, how long it takes two kids. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Dude. And then, and then you're, you know, you're questioning, you're like, fuck, did I make the wrong call? You know, could I, yeah. should I have been in New York? Should I have moved to Los Angeles? Um, but you know what, dude, because I have been out of the system, it sounds like you've been out of the system as well. I end up have, I end up coming up with really strange ways of doing things because they're not telling me how to do things. Exactly. That's it, important, man. Yeah. It's important to be away from the hub. I honestly hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. Cause then yeah. in the way through the back door, you're yep. developing a style and, and to sort of talk about your statement on style. I, I don't think style is, I think style is completely developed based upon your environment. And I think yes, that yes. it is how you, how you roll with the fucking punches and yep. it, especially with filmmaking, it, with filmmaking, it's all about compromise and you're literally just tr choosing. It's like people are showing up with trays and they're like, what, what do you prefer? You know, it's like, put the broccoli on, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. I mean, it's, that's directing is choosing things. And yeah. Um, you know, I, it took me the longest time because people started to say I had a sense of style with my photography and with my work and they would go, oh, I recognized your work and I saw you work on that magazine cover and that was definitely you. And I got irritated. I was like, fuck, <laughs> fuck, you guys can recognize my work and my name's not even on it. So I'm going to switch it all up. I'm going to fucking change it up. And I went through this mm. meticulous process of being like, I'm not going to shoot it the way I did. I'm going to choose different <laughs> lenses. I'm going to choose different lights, <laughs> different colors. And I put it out and they go, oh yeah, we saw you on that magazine. Is your work again? And I'm like, all right, I give up. <laughs> 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 that's a good thing. You know, honestly, that's good because if I think if you didn't, you'd be hunting for it and then that'd be the scarier thing. And I think I see that a lot more than, than the other side of it where people don't have a style or they're just, they're aping another person's style. And then they're just kind of, they just are the, like, an, they're just not, they haven't found it. So it's good that you have a style and that you found it. I love Boston too, by the way. I used to live in Waltham. I love it over there. It's so cool. Oh, cool. Like yeah. It has such a feel. Boston has a, such a unique feel. I love that city. It's like the Massachusetts in general is it's, it's very cinematic in a weird way. Um, especially cause you guys have all that seasons. Like I love Southern California. That's where I live, but yeah, we don't, we don't get any of that shit. It's great to live, but we don't get that like hotness, you know, like that madness, you know? So <laughs> the crazy fucking kill me now cold. And then like the fucking crazy kill me now humidity, which I'm serious sitting in right now. So yeah. <laughs> Very true. Man. Awesome to shoot in, not the best to live in. So yeah. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful place and it's still a great place to make movies. I mean, they have a, a really great tax incentive here, you know, which mm. is, which is awesome, especially if you start to get into like the bigger budget stuff. But, um, it's, it's a cool place because people are still enchanted by it. So I can walk into, you know, when I was researching 12 KM, I literally called a power plant in fucking Salem and they were like, come on down. And they gave me the, key, awesome. they gave me the keys to the fucking castle. Oh, and, that's amazing. And I got to walk through this fucking power plant and, and the only stipulation, she's like, look, 
I'll give you a tour guide and I'll let, I'll, I'll have him walk you through this whole place, but we just, I, I need one thing. And I was like, okay, you know, ex- expecting like to cut my kidney out and hand it to her. Yeah. And, yeah. and she's like, I, I, I want to sit down with you and, t- and give you my advice on the script. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. I mean, and you're just like, sure, you can do sure, whatever you want. Like, sure. Start, give me the location. I don't give a shit. Like, yeah. Well, you know, and I, I also like good feedback. You know, she had a couple good yeah. points that I was like, oh, okay, that's how you process this character. Do I want you to? I don't know. Let me think about that. But yeah, that's uh, cool. But fuck yeah, man. I mean, it's one of the reasons that's, why. It doesn't hurt to ask, you know, I think that's really the key too. And yeah. that's so much of what directing is, is like putting yourself in an uncomfortable seat. I'm, I'm quite a shy person and I don't like to um, create a scene. You know, I don't, I've tried to avoid it. Like when I'm out shooting, like I hate the feeling sometimes like, oh fuck, people are looking at me. I hate it, <laughs> but I just have to do it. I was out with like Mike Gimbel and like I had my, my camera and, and I was like, I had my monitor and I was doing a bunch of weird test stuff cause I'm combining CGI and, and I had my HDRI 360 camera on and I just had all this shit and I'm walking around my park next to my house. People are just like, what the hell? I, I just hate that feeling. I just like, stop looking at me. <laughs> it's like a weird, it was a weird issue I have, I guess. So, well, so yeah, you can't have it when you're directing my friend. <laughs> no, exactly. There's, that's what I'm saying with the directing. There's so many, for me at least, there's, there's so many things that help me be better because it makes me evolve past my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, I think it's another thing that I, I'm learning that lesson is you, 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 you know, Woody Allen films the way Woody Allen films, David Fincher films the way David Fincher films. Everybody has their own lenses. Scorsese has his own lens. I think it's the thing I'm realizing is it's such a big art form, but you realize that when you do it more and more, you go, okay, well, I'm just this kind of person. I'm just, as much as I want to try and be this other one, if I'm not being, if I'm being genuine to myself, I'm this person, you know? So, and I, and being okay with that, I think is really the key, mm-hmm. which is really difficult, you know? Cause it's like, cause you, if you do have your own style, which is great, the real, f- the real fucking shit of that is that, like you're not an easy sell, you know, like Anthony and I, we made this lost boy film and we went out and did the whole Hollywood walkthrough and all that kind of stuff. And like, for the most part, I mean, people are like, that's cool. I dig it. It's got like some interesting things. We're like, what, tell us a bigger story. And we have a much bigger story that involves. And they were like, that's fucking insane. That's really cool. And they're like, honestly, it's so like unique and different that we can't even figure out how to sell that. So mm-hmm. we can't do it. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, okay. Well, you guys say you want something new, but you're not willing to take the risk to make something new. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's all part of the fucking process, you know? So. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. It's very true, dude. And, and then my experience, I, I, I try to, I, you, when I, when I started, I started doing music videos, you know, and music videos, yeah, yeah. generally music videos are like you, you, get like a treatment or you get an idea from a band and you're sort of restricted by like either performance or some sort of idea and you're sort of playing within the restrictions that they've given you. And a lot of times the the main restriction is usually budget and time. It's like these two big things. And so (laughs) for years, my business partner, Ian McFarlane and I played in that playground, which was how do we do the best that we can possibly do under these restrictions? And how do we make it seem like it cost a million dollars to do this video that, you know, the budget was probably like five grand on. (laughs) So like, like how to, how do I do that? And we came up with a lot of really good shit in there and it, it was like boot camp. really. It's sort of like, it's a comfort zone for me. Like yeah. the, the alternative is actually a little bit more scary with some, if someone came to me and said, okay, you got 60, $165 million. You can do whatever the fuck you want. I think I would 
be a lot more scared at that point because there are, oh, yeah. there aren't it's those restrictions, really you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think, it, I think, I, feel, I don't think most, the average person or the, yeah, I don't think it's good for that because if you have the key, if you have too much power, I think it, it, it's not, I think the, like the, the great art forms really come from the, the, you know, compromise or like, um, like really Scott, for example, like when he went off and read, when he started doing alien, he got everything and they said, okay, we'll give you $4 million. We're going to make a B rate level like horror film. And he's like, well, I'm not going to make a B level. <laughs> so give me, give me a couple months. And he storyboarded everything out, showed him everything, showed him the artist, everything. And, and they bought into it and they doubled the budget. And I think by having those things, I mean, if they were like, here's uh, like 80, 80 million dollars to make alien or whatever it might be. If it was, a, it was an ample amount of money and he didn't do that, it probably wouldn't be the same great film. You know, I really firmly believe that. I think that's what I think is, is, is kind of, um, I know, I know I'm being a bitch about this, but I think it's a really hard part of the, uh, the process of being a director or directing or making your own content is that you've agreed to live a life of torture. You really mm-hmm. have, <laughs> and you have to bleed for it. And then you have to be, willing to be uncomfortable for years and years to get to, you know, final position. And I remember listening to like, I listened to a lot of director commentary too. And David Fincher had it really well where he was talking about, I think it was like fight club commentary. And he was saying like, you know, a film is like a multi-layered thing. And you, you know, like you just mentioned earlier, you go through, through the creative process and the scripting and all that kind of stuff. And then you break all those things down and then you, go through and making the film itself and you do shooting and you capture all the stuff and then the film changes in the editing room and then you do sound and all that kind of stuff and you have all these layers and then you go through reviews and, and, and screenings and then you have to adjust things from there and then then the next step is you have to go out and then release the film and that's then it becomes somebody else's at that point and it's not even yours anymore and it's like all these and I remember listening to that it really shook me because I was like damn it's so true there's so many layers to it yeah but it's like it's it's such an enigma I don't know if it's the same for you but it, it is it's like the ultimate enigma for me yeah. in the creative space I mean you could sit there and design something and it's so funny how small a design could feel in comparison to the magnitude of making a film you know like <laughs> Dude, as, yeah. soon, as soon as I mean I always say this it's 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 like being a painter, but imagine that you have to walk over to every one of your paintbrushes before you get started and go, how was your night? How's your wife? <laughs> like, did, you know, did you sleep yeah. well today? Here, have some coffee. You know, let's get yeah. started. Yeah. And then, Are you, you know, feeling red today? Are you feeling red? Yeah. Are you feeling blue? What are you going to give me today? Yeah. Well, I need red here because I'm making a sunset. Do not give me fucking blue because it's not nighttime. Yeah. For yeah. sure, man. For sure. It's a, it's a wild. It's a, people, it's a people sport. That's for sure, too. I about communication too. I fucking love it, man. I really do. Like I learned. Sounds like you really enjoy it. Oh man. I love, I love hanging out with folks, you know? And and I think, I think that that's, that's the thing. There's, I've worked for a lot of dictators. I've, I've, I've seen, I've heard war stories from crew people that have worked for dictators. I just don't get it. I don't understand the whole notion of like, I need to be an asshole in order to, to <laughs> pull this stuff off. For me, it's the complete opposite. And I, I really enjoy collaborating and I enjoy the surprise that I get from folks. And I've said this story before, but you might find it interesting. When, when I was younger, I went, to, I went to school and we were trained on uh, black and white 60 millimeter silent filmmaking. And uh, mm. we cut on Steamback. We actually did all that. So 
it taught me really early on how to like, you know, uh, uh, plan for the edit and and since you're shooting film, how to be really smart about your shots and and, and be efficient. Um, so what I did is I I did what I do. I storyboarded my shit, and I was it was like a huge Hitchcock sort of influence for my uh, final thesis. And I storyboarded the whole fucking thing out, and then I went and I shot it exactly the way all the storyboards were. I had people move exactly the way they were on all the boards. And I got into the edit room, and we had this giant basement with all these different steam backs set up. It was probably like 15, 16 different steam backs, and everybody's in there cramming away, and you you would sign up for shifts, and you'd be in there for like, you know, 32 hours straight, you know, until, until you can't sleep anymore. And I sat down, took my film, cut it. I had it done in a day. It was just like, boom, 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 mm. finished. And I'm in the, the edit room and I have it booked out for a few days. So I'm, I'm hanging out in the other room with my friends and I'm watching their discovery. I'm watching some of these guys that came from a completely different discipline where they hadn't storyboarded it out. And they went through this long process of like figuring it out on set and, and, and doing all this stuff. And it was so much fun. It was so much fun to watch them discover their film in the edit room. And I was fucking envious because I, mm. I had done it which I thought was the correct way, which I thought was the sure. right way to do it, which ended up being so really boring to me. And, and that really changed me at that moment, changed the way I direct mm. because I like a, a combo of them both. I, I, I believe in being prepared just in case you and I show up and, and we had a night of, of uh, hard drinking the night before and way too much food. <laughs> and I'm just like, just follow the boards. <laughs> you know, and it's a, We'll get through this, just follow the boards. Um, sure, but, to have coverage, yeah. But then you just, you, you know, as you're doing it, you have to be aware on set you have to be clear of mind on set and just sort of understand like, oh shit. Okay. Because of what I'm dealt here, that doesn't work. Let me reach into that toolbox that we were talking about earlier. Okay. What can I do with what I have here? And that's when it gets really fucking exciting. Or if a, a performer or an actor, uh, improvises, or, the, yeah. or they just move a certain, like I, on the last movie I did, I, the actress walked down that hallway, looked in the bedroom and performed a certain way. And that at that moment, that literally changed my next 12 shots. I threw all the coverage out the window and completely mm. changed it because of the surprise that she gave me. So yeah, I love that shit, man. That's all the bullshit cool that we go through. Like that, oh yeah, man. Yeah. It's the best. I think it's true. Cause I just ran into that same problem. I boarded everything out. I went out and shot it directly as I thought. And I started putting it together and I was like, this sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's, it's dry as balls here. Like it just sucks, you know? And like, and I was like wondering, well, what is it that's not working? And I, and, and I think Anthony and I had a really great talk. He's, he's such a great mentor. And he was like, well, you have to make sure that from his standpoint, and I completely agree. And I think it really connects with all the films that I love is with filmmaking is you ask a question, you know, or you want your audience to ask a question mm-hmm. and right off the bat. You put them in the weird question zone and, and then you hold that question, you hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. And then you release the answer. And you better fucking hope that you've done a good enough job that the answer equals the time that it was spent with the question that was offered in the beginning. <laughs> and that is the direct that like if you have that figured out, you have a formula that works inside of film, I think. And I, he was right. And I and I broke down. I looked at what I had and I was like, OK, what I had was good. It was just very direct and liter- literal, yeah. but it was going to work. But it was just I wasn't posing a question. And with with him, I've been rethinking about the whole tool and mechanism. And it's like. Yeah, it's like, fuck, I got to go back and, and ask the question. And, and then I need to have the answer that fulfills it enough 
that makes sense, you know, and I've been studying films like the Blair Witch and shit, which is quite genius, I think mm-hmm. in many aspects and like how they captured that kind of stuff with such a low production. Cause you know, when you're doing this by yourself or on minimal, I mean, I'm doing all kinds of different stuff at the same time, client work and stuff. And I'm just feeding that, fitting this in like the little bit of time that I do have. I understand. <laughs> but it's, you know how it is. You yeah. Know? You, it's like in, you know, in the beginning, especially like you, you have to take so many risks on your own, but um, it's just a part of the process, obviously. And that process is just something that you have to go through. And it's just, um, I think it's, it's like I have so much appreciation, even like we were talking about Hereditary, for example, like that director, that creative had to go through probably a lot of the same stuff that we're going through, if not more, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so I have a lot of respect, even if I don't connect with it and I find my own, I have my own issues with it. It's like I have a lot of respect no matter what for any film that's made it out, because it's like I know how difficult it is. It's a fucking to actually make anything. It's, you know. it's a fucking miracle. You know, like yeah, if you yeah. get, if you watch it in a bottle, yeah, if you watch a shitty movie, it's a miracle that that got made. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's, it's, crazy. it's so, there's so many elements, man, all the way from the prep to like just the set days. And I find that whenever I'm doing a movie and I'm producing it at the same time, which I do a lot of when I'm doing the short stuff that I do, it's a nightmare because most yeah. of the time at any waking, as soon as you wake up at any moment of that day, someone's coming to pull the plug any moment of that day. And you're just fighting and fighting and fighting to keep it going, keep it running, have that thing happening. And I I feel like the only moment of peace that I have on a film that I'm producing is when I call action. Cause when I call action, everybody shuts the fuck up and I get to sit there and watch the movie. And for like that beautiful amount of time, it's quiet. And then I, like, I get to see yeah. it. I get to see everything. And as soon as you call cut, people come over and go, the locations guy's pissed off and, blah, 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 and it just sure. starts to swarm you again. So <laughs> it's little pockets of solitude. I like that. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, it's definitely the feeling I get as well. And that's why I probably try to just contain it all as much as I can internally and keep it. I mean, I, the Anthony, I talk a lot about this. It's like Stanley Kubrick shot most of his stuff. I mean, whether you think so or not, I mean, he had, he had, you, you just see photos of him. He's just there with his actors and the sound guy really, you know, yeah. he was cameraman. And, and I, that intimacy I find uh, to me is, is so special. And, and that's how I like to work personally as well. I don't like to have all the noise. Um, it's just a part of it. I'm not, I think it's just coming to terms that I'm not a Michael Bay guy. Maybe, I, maybe I am. I don't know it. You know, what if like, that's, that's who I become. And I probably could, I guess, but I mean, you know, I think it's just finding those things and those moments of solitude is what I really enjoy. But I also just love, like I'm doing a shoot tomorrow to kind of get reinvigorate my muse. I'm creating the the creature basically for this, this um, short horror film that I'm working on. Cool. And, and my friend's coming over and she's awesome. And she's just like fucking super down to just get the work done. And there's like zero drama, which is the best and we're just going to shoot all day. I'm going to do stills and footage and I'm just going to be like, shoot whatever and like and play until I can find what it is. And then I'm going to get re-inspired from that and then go from there you know, <laughs> and just take it as we go. And then, and then it'll kind of evolve as I'm asking the question. And then once I have the main pillar, it'll evolve into its next thing. So 
but That's it's just a, yeah, it's, it's a real wild thing. I don't know. It's like a, it's like just night. It's just, it's just crazy. It's a really <laughs> crazy process. It's cool that we're doing this podcast now because I really hope that I accelerate and actually become somewhat of a decent filmmaker. And this will be like a time capsule to look back at how horrible I was. So, yeah. <laughs> oh man, come yeah. on. Like we're all, you're always going to be learning, dude. And if you're not, yeah, of course. if you're not, it's going to, it's going to get stale. So like, oh, yeah, I would stop doing it if I wasn't learning. Yeah, yeah, man. And and I find that I love experience. I mean, I've been directing now uh, for about 18 years and I love having that experience behind me. And I love the, the tricks that I developed on my own, like you're talking about, yeah. uh, you know, the shit that you figure out with just you and a camera. I, when I'm with a 40 person crew, I, and, and shit goes down, I usually fall back on those things that I developed when it was just me and a camera that always fucking happens. Um, yeah. It's great. Uh, but it's good to have that. Yeah. It's just ammo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I, I want to be scared. Like I work, <laughs> I work really well when I'm scared. I work really well when, when someone challenges me and they say, mm. you know, I don't know how you're going to pull this off, you know? And it's, it's, it's like, oh no, we could fucking do that. Like uh, the planning, the planning I'm doing for uh, f- the feature version of 12 cam right now is insane. And, and, and actually, Sitting there, you know, I was talking to um, our line producer and they're putting together a budget for this thing. And uh, she says to me, like, uh, you know, how, how, is it, how is the derricks going to work? And, and the derricks is actually the place where they drill into the ground and they drop the pipes and all that stuff. And I go, I don't know yet. And she's like, how big do you want the set to be? And I'm like, oh, man, uh, I don't know yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's like a bunch of the stuff where I'm like, oh, I got to think about it. I got to, we got to figure this stuff out. Okay. We got to, is, is now the time to start figuring? Is it like go time yet? Now, yeah. now, cause there's this other part of me as a director where I don't want to get too excited. I don't want to start to get too deep into prep on something that isn't hundred percent a go because then you're, I feel like you're just blowing those ideas and you're blowing that like really, I don't know. Maybe it's the young director. Me, you're blowing that 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 emotional high that you get from coming up with really great problem solving ideas. If you're just doing it way too early, and then it just ends up on the shelf, and then you never fucking get that shit again. And it's like, <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a it's a it's a weird place to be. Uh, I, I got off on a tirade on that, but um, no, no, <laughs> um, right there with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, no, it's it, it's it's weird because it, you know what I was saying it to the writer the other day. Um, cause he's been busting his ass for a year, writing the script and he's been killing it and, and, uh, doing a great job and, and doing draft after draft and returning them on uh, ahead of time on deadlines and impressing the awesome. shit out of these people. And he, like, he's like relay race part one. And I'm like, I feel like I'm fucking standing here waiting for you to hand me the goddamn baton. Cause I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. You know, <laughs> put me in coach, yeah. put me in coach, put me in coach. Here we go. You know? And that's directing. Mm-hmm. It's like a year of that. It's a year of sitting around going like, are we ready? Mm-hmm. What, why are we not going? What, what's happening? What's Hurry up happening? and wait, baby. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And then how do you fill your time? I mean, I fill my time by doing podcasts and small, sure. smaller projects, but you know. Yeah. And being interested in all uh, things, but yeah, for the most part, it's like, all right, what's next? What do we do next? How are we going to do it? Yeah. How do I keep <laughs> swimming? Just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And how do I keep engaged and, and activated and how does this keep moving and stuff? Yeah. It's definitely, um, yeah, for me, somebody is used to the speed of like food, um, getting used to this like year long meal or too long year to year long meal. It's like, fuck this. 
it's just, yeah, it's a lot to, to take in and try to process and to try to get used to and to be okay with it. Yeah. A lot of it has to be based on like your ability to have faith in what it is that you're making and just being okay with that really, you know? So yeah. Yeah. yeah and, it's a process. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm learning now too. I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've got here. You probably have. Um, I'm learning now that I've been so fucking obsessed with filmmaking. Like every waking hour for me has been like, I just had this really interesting exchange with somebody. How would I shoot that? Or, uh, you know, I, I read this thing and, oh, wow, that'd be really cool. And I feel like I'm always cataloging stuff and putting things aside. And I've been so fucking obsessed with it. And then, you know, 18 years later, I'm like this bound up ball of, of just stress from, from that whole process. And someone asked me, they're like, what's your hobby? And I'm like, uh, well, I guess my hobby is my hobby is like drawing. And they go, nah, that's work. That's storyboarding. That's still a new thing. And I'm like, I guess my hobby is, uh, you know, I like to watch, not watching movies. It's not, that's not it either. And I'm like, fuck, yeah. fuck, <laughs> fuck. I need to find it. You're all inbred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Did you find one? Did you find a hobby? I don't know. I'm still hunted, man. I'm, I'm playing around with a couple of ideas and I'm looking for something that, maybe a little bit of physical activity, but also just something that just, I want that. Once again, here I am thinking about filmmaking. I want that. I want that ability for it to just completely put me in a whole other mindset so that I can reprocess yeah. what it is that I'm fucking stressing out about. I got one. Oh yeah. What I do got you got? One. What do you got? I do martial arts. I do jujitsu. That's oh. really, and that's like a game changer for me. It's been a game changer for me because this has really helped me, um, see, just uh, a different perspective and you can't like you're that you're going there and you're trying to kill another person and they're trying to kill you. <laughs> so you can't, you can't be thinking about your film or the shot or something. So you have to do a complete disconnection mentally and physically. Um, and then you come right back to it. So it's kind of cool. It's very like, I mean, it's very challenging. It's very, I, I train with like really gnarly guys that compete around the world. So, and I'm only able to go like twice or three times a, <laughs> like a, a week, you know, and these guys go like every day and they're just savages. So that, that really sucks. It's like, I'm going to play jujitsu with David Fincher and shit. You know? So I'm like, this is great. I'm in, like, I'm just, like I said, I think this is a great time. Cause I'm right in the wheel of pain and I'm right in the center of the wheel of pain. I'm just like, fuck, like, ah, and you, you, I go through phases, you know, it's like when I first started to take on CGI and like really focus on that, like the first like two, three years of CGI and I'm still going through the painful process of it, but it's just like, fuck, like this is a rough fucking road. Like it sucks, you know, but at the same time, it's like, if I, I think if I didn't have that feeling, I would, I think I would, I think I would, I wouldn't like it, you know? So it's just a, there's a weird kind of, um, part of that, but that's been my release. If you can find something like that, and especially if it's physical, it's great because, Oftentimes we end up sitting a lot more than we should. Very true. And it's good. It's good to get away from it. Um, so you can kind of go do it. My problem is just like, fuck, sometimes I'm just in the zone of creating and like, I just don't want to go, but I always have to go because I know like how important it is to do it. So and when I'm there, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm glad it came. 
to it or I'm like, fuck, I, I fucking hate this. So yeah, <laughs> you get my ass handed to me by everybody. But then, but then I can go and do the same. Like, and then I could just hit manhandle somebody like, okay, cool. Like I can dismantle you physically without a problem. You know, it's like, it feels good. So <laughs> I'm waiting for somebody to fuck with me in like in the real world. So I could test these babies out, but no, no, I haven't had an opportunity yet. Probably have it sound like I have anger issues or probably do. So. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple, I've got a couple friends of mine. Uh, my buddy Jarvis, who's a, a great TP actually, uh, does it. I think he just, I think he, I think he just got black belt. If that's a thing. I think that is a oh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. That's the highest rank you could get yeah. in martial arts. So yeah. He's, and you go to like red stripe and all that kind of stuff too. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And what, what kind of, uh, in what, um, martial art does he train? I think it's jujitsu. I think that's what oh, he does. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. For sure. You should talk to him about it then. Yeah. You should go and get, get your ass handed to you. It's fun. <laughs> totally humbling. You got like, I'm the shit, I'm the director. And you go on the, on the mats and you're like, you're nothing. You're just a piece of, piece of meat. You have a little somebody come up and just whoop on your ass, you know? So yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's, I, I can, I equate it to like chess with your body, really. It's like oh, okay. body chess. So, and if you're big on thinking, which I think you are, it's like really cool because you're just deciphering and understanding mechanisms and, and pivot points and like weight shifting and like huh. there's a like there is an answer to all of it which is really cool it's not like boxing where you're just punching each other in the head and there's definitely a science to boxing but it's far more damaging i think to your brain yeah or jujitsu you can train really hard for like four hours and you're just tired really um, as long as you're not like roughhousing it super hard with somebody and they're not being nice with you, then you can do it for a long period of time and be completely fine. Cause you just tap when you get to a per- certain position, you're like, Hey, I tap you won, you know? Right, right, so, right, right. Um, so it's, it has a cool longevity to it. And I think, I mean, it's so rad. Like it's, it's one of those, I kind of equate it to like skateboarding before skateboarding was really huge. I think it's getting bigger, but like back in the day, kids would just like, you know, put together and make their own kind of skateboards and stuff and then go skate like the pools and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where it is now. And it's starting to get more world claim guys like Joe, Rog- Joe Rogan and stuff are, I train in the same system as him. Like his best friend, Eddie Bravo created a system called 10 planet system. And it's like a, it's different from the modern or the, from the, the traditional style. It's like, there's no gi involved and it's like a much more like elaborate, weird clench game, like, totally stoner style, like weird abstract art, like <laughs> expressionistic <laughs> flowy kind of shit. So it's a lot of fun. It fits the, who I am and my type of style in life in general. So yeah. Well, I'm very envious, man. It sounds like you have a really great hobby. I'm very thankful for it. And I love all my training partners and it's like one of those things I just, um, yeah, I can't imagine my life without, and I'm really going to get sad when I get too old to not be able to do it. But um, soaking it up now while I can. And yeah, it's a lot of fun, but it's, I think it really helps the art form. I think it helps me as a person a lot of times too. Like I'm sure you've experienced this too, is, um, being online and sharing your work. And then, you know, there's the keyboard justice warriors and stuff and they'll go talk a bunch of shit. Of course. And then you're just like, well, it's, 
you know, you go to jujitsu and then like, you can't do that. You realize that there's a real world and then there's a false world and the false world exists on Twitter, you know, because <laughs> all the sad people are on Twitter and they're, <laughs> that there's sad opinions and their soapboxes and they're all ex- experts on everything. So I'm just talking shit, but I'm being truthful. Well, I mean, too, there's so. a, there's a bit of, there's, there's truth behind that, man. And there's, yeah. this is something that I've been experiencing uh, lately it's, as just a director or as a boss. I mean, as an owner of a production company and, and, and working with, with younger crews, there's a whole generation that is really afraid of like actual physical contact and, 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 and yeah, ha- like, weird. like real in the room sort of verbal shit. Like, uh, you know, it, I always get annoyed with new PAs that I work with and I'm like, will you just call the fucking person? Will you not text them? Will you just get them on the fucking phone? <laughs> and it's, it's because if you, if you have somebody and they hear your voice and you hear mm. their voice, they're held accountable for what it is that they're saying. But then you can also read things. You can read into how they're feeling and, and what their intentions are. And then you can adjust on the fly your interactions with them. I mean, that's directing is, is actually hearing what your ideas, how your ideas bounce off of the person that you're giving them to. Um, and you can't be precious little people with it. Like when you text, when you see someone texting, they, they, you, you can see them editing the fucking thing, you know, and going (laughs) through this process of making it the most perfect fucking text. And then to have a conversation that you and I right now would have in about three minutes takes about 25 fucking minutes because yeah, it drives me nuts. Both ends are editing their shit. And then when you're done with that whole text conversation, you're like, what the, what the fuck was the outcome? Like, what is the answer to this? Like there is no solid answer. And I always say to young people that are, that are getting into directing, I go talk to people, practice the art of fucking talking and practice the art of fucking listening to people because yeah. that is the most important part. Cause you can, as a director, you're basically shaping all that stuff and you're shaping conversations and you're shaping interactions. And that's what you're hired to do is to yep. convince people to work with you and convince, uh, you know, a crew to stay over late for four fucking hours and get into like, you know, the 17th hour, you know what I mean? Like it, <laughs> it's, it's part of your job, man. So yep. you can't yep. do that by, it's not like you can text everybody on the fucking crew. Cause they'd all say no, they'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's, it's definitely, um, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting process that I've kind of, I don't know. I've been just, like I said, I think it's all an, an enigma too. You know, it's like, these are things like this. It's like just weird things like text messaging, for example, or communicating. But yeah, I mean, totally. I've realized through the years that directing is primarily just a communication art form. And it's all about like how well you communicate and how well you can manipulate basically in a good way or bad way. I mean, there's some directors I've worked with that are incredibly really good at manipulating everybody to do what they want. And, they manage to get their, their will in their way. And that's, Hey, I'm not going to say anything, but it's like, that's their thing, you know? So, um, this is part of the, 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 the whole practice of it all. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a communication art. It's like how good you are at, at, you know, pulling out the best in others, you know? Yep. And, um, I mean, you could say it's like a coach is for a, a football team or a sport team. Um, you know, they're just as they're doing a very similar thing. They're, trying to dictate the odds and go against the the odds of nature and try to win and they're communicating it and they can't do it alone. 
So they do it amongst other people. And that communal aspect creates these like random tangents. But like imagine if football or any of these sports was done via text, you know, it's like that would be really horrible. Yeah, so that totally you're right. I mean, it's a hands on thing. And I think it's so important. It's a very much a people people thing like my my next short as like I'm I'm my main lead his name's Nate is one of my best friends I call him Nate Gyllenhaal it's not his name I just that's like that's our <laughs> onset joke because we're big Jake Gyllenhaal fans so I'm like come here Nate Gyllenhaal like we're just like, okay always joking but <laughs> but no he's like he's always down like I can call him oh, dude I need you to come up can you come up we gotta go shoot he's like yeah let's do it so I'm like you're the best Nate Gyllenhaal that's a good that's and a I, good that's a good fucking friend <laughs> dude that's a good fucking friend and someone that ride or die baby yeah Yeah. man you need those guys and and you only have a couple in your life you got to hold on to them yeah yeah and and then when you when you when you make it or if you finish something i always love to give them the fucking spotlight because it's like yeah fuck yeah dude you you have bent over my brother has been in almost everything that i've done um and i i always cast him in a in a in a, a small part um, and then he is in the behind the scenes doing fucking props work. He's always busting his ass and building things oh, for yeah. me and, and doing shit. And I couldn't make movies without him. I couldn't make movies without those folks that stick around for the long haul. And when you give that phone call and that random fucking phone call and you're all excited going, I got this idea. And they go, yeah, I'm in. You're like, fuck. <laughs> all right, dude. I love you guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. the best. I, and, and those you are go the, out and do it. Yeah. yeah. And th- those are the guys that, you know, I can't wait to do a big fucking movie. Cause I'm just going to be like, can you fly him out please? And put him yeah. in a hotel. And like, I'm making a big fucking deal because he's got 18 years of time. <laughs> into this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. like this is, yeah. this is a really, I mean, I saw that, um, with, I was really fortunate uh, years ago um, to be invited on to one of the Farley Brothers sets. And they were, I think it was, I don't know if it was like Three Stooges or one of the others, and they were shooting in Atlanta. And those guys, they actually fly in their high school buddies for every film. And, That's and, so cool. And I ended up on an airplane with these guys and I recognized them. And I thought they were actors because I had seen them in like... Um, you know, uh, Kingpin and I had seen them in, uh, Dumb and Dumber as extras. And I'm like, wow, okay. And they're just the dudes that they went to high school with And Every movie they do, they make such a big ordeal of flying these guys out and having them come out and be a part of this movie. And it's, it was so fucking inspiring. And those That's guys, awesome. dude, their sets are so great, man. Those guys have such they're a, doing it right. ah, they have such a wonderful collaborative set and, and the people are all fucking happy to be there. Um, it's just so, it's so wonderful. And, and you hear that, you know, you hear that about Adam Sandler's movies, like love it or hate it. I mean, that guy's basically making movies so that he can employ all his pals, you know? And, that's, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of filmmakers are doing that too. It's like, yeah, yeah that man. Sense. <laughs> but that's, I yeah. mean, at, at it's true at its core. That's being in love with the whole process. It's, it's actually. Yeah, that's right. It's a great point perspective. Yeah, yeah, man. It's, it's like, you know, having the money, having the loot to be able to do this and, ha- and, and uh, to play with your pals and, uh, you know, so much of it you want to be able to control. I mean, like, again, I keep bringing up Fincher, but so many other directors do the same thing because they, they hire their friends because they know they can rely on them. Yep. When you go out and hire a random stranger, re- you never know. And you can either get like a great thing or you can get a really dud. And it's so 
difficult, especially when you have to like when you have when X and Y and need X equal W and the <laughs> and it doesn't, you're like you're fucked. And if it doesn't because you took a risk on a stranger, you're just like, why did I do that? You know, so yep. being able to go like, hey, we have history. You're my pal. Like, I know you. And, and, and the cool thing about my buddy Nate is like he just says, like, my goal is to make it so that your your film's great that's all i care about so i don't want to be the i don't want to be the cause of your film not being great so i'm like oh well thanks you know <laughs> yeah yeah if i hire an actor they might be a, of course a better actor because they're trained hopefully in being an actor in comparison to Nate which we talked about but um but then you know they could totally be a total shit person and and horrible <laughs> to deal with and i then i'm like well fuck like yeah so it's just i think it's a matter of just like working within what you have. That's one of the things that I'm trying to do right now too, is like, okay, I have limited time. I mean, it's just me shooting. I have Nate whenever he I can get him up here, which is as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And then just like, you know, putting that all together. But I know all the other things, like I understand how they operate the camera. I'm learning DaVinci Resolve right now. I know how to cut and you know, edit and you know, do that stuff. Another thing I need to learn is like sound design because so much of horror is sound design. Like Big I'd time. say like 80% of it is the sound design. Big time. Um, which is so scary to me because I haven't done that yet. So I'm like, fuck. So, but I'm excited for that too because it's just a whole nother enterprise of experience too. So, oh, dude, sound, yeah. des- sound design, we can get nerdy on sound design. Sound design is the fucking coolest, man. I, yeah. I love it, dude. And when I do, uh, my cuts for horror, I'm actually sound designing as I edit because it's virtually impossible to figure out your pacing without sound design. Cause it's, yeah, it's true. Cause you're like, what the fuck? Right. You can't go off the, the visuals really. You can try to do the beats, but it's oftentimes you end up with this weird nebulous cut that has no rhythm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And since you, so you came from music videos, a lot of the stuff that I've cut and made, it comes from the pulse of music. It's so much about the tempo and the pulse of the, where things hit. And I'm, so, I mean, maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. I don't really care. It's just the way I like to work, but I hit that shit hard when I want to hit it and I just drop it right when it needs to be. And then I kick it to the beat, but that's cause I used to play music. I played mm-hmm. bass for like eight years growing up and like I'd just play like a lot of tool and shit. And so I'm very familiar with like that kind of music and that rhythm and tone and, and keeping that rhythm and that offbeat and stuff. So it's in my blood when I go and edit and stuff, you know, in my mind, you know, so it's all kind of somewhat connected. So. Oh, sure, dude. There's a, there's a pulse and a beat behind the pacing of every fucking scene, man. Like when it's I, important. when I cut 12 KM, I mean, I, I shot that movie in Russian. I don't speak Russian, you know? And so that was a, that was a big <laughs> fucking came from thing. a nightmare you had or something yeah, like that. Like oh. when, you, when you had your, your head injury or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We can get into that. But, um, mm. I, I, shot this movie in Russian cause I, I was financing it and I was like, fuck it, let's just shoot it in Russian cause it feels more real to me. And par- yeah. part of me was also like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get really great actors. So if they're speaking in another language, maybe the audience will excuse it a bit more. Turns out yeah. I got, I got fucking great actors, but yeah, they were really great. Thanks man. It's awesome. Um, and then when we shot, so much of it is that yeah. <laughs> fucked if you don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and when, uh, when we were shooting it, um, I had a bunch of translators on set and I would hear these guys rehearse these lines in another language. And in the, the, the first couple of times that I was in rehearsals, I sort of had a panic attack and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck they're saying. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and so I would sit over the shoulder of the translator and she would try to guide me through the script to where, where it was happening. And I finally just sort of gave into it and I went, okay, wait, I need two translators. Make sure they say what they're going to fucking say. And every time we finish, I'm going to ask you what they said. 
great, but I'm just going to focus on their rhythms. And it became this really interesting exercise in body language, um, posturing. And then I really started to hyper-focus on like who has control at what point in the scene, who's standing, who's sitting, how is his body position, where, where is it, where are they at? And then um, rhythm with uh, yeah. how they spoke. And then when I got into the edit room, I didn't have it translated first. I just got into the other room. I found a wide shot and I would listen to the wide shot and I would just listen to the rhythm of it. And then I cut them. I cut all the scenes without the translation and I was only wow. off, I was off twice and the wow. whole piece. And it's, it's funny how it comes down to speech patterns. And I don't, I haven't learned Russian. I haven't learned anything in the back end of it. Interesting. Um, but it was like, it was like doing a fucking silent movie. It was really mm. cool, man. It was a really cool, I thought it was going to mm. be super scary. Um, but it ended Sounds up. Sounds like it is. Yeah. To a certain extent, but it ended up <laughs> being like this real hyper focus on the actual craft of visual storytelling, which I, I completely want to keep championing film as a visual medium, man. I, I think it, it gets too dialogue heavy these days, too script heavy. And I, I, I can't stand it when it's just super wordy. It drives me fucking bonkers. Dude, you know? like, dude, dude. I mean, I, I really appreciate certain films. That even like, um, I get it because like Inception wouldn't have been made it without all the extras, you know, like explaining the world and everything. But sure, it drives me nuts. It makes it almost unwatchable now when I watch it. I'm just like, fuck, dude, like explaining everything at all times. It's like, why can't you just let me just be in that weird world and experience it and involve it myself? But I, I get it. You know, it's like you're, they, they have to make it for, for, you know, the masses. And I think that's fine, you know? So sure. Again, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I completely admire them for what they've done. I can't take anything away from it. And I don't want to sound like I think I'm better at anyway, because I'm not. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying like a lot of films, um, yeah, they're just so script heavy. And I think so much of cinema, I mean, like even for Lost Boy, for example, is going to be like, no, nothing. Like really minimal, complete pure cinema, like Nature Channel, you know, like. Yeah. Just you're, you're, you're watching and experiencing it. So much of the films I enjoy, like Keanu Scotzi or Samsara Baraka, all these different types of films, like they're like a more or less an experiential film. Um, but I do appreciate a really great script. You know, you look at, you watch like social network has a very witty, very smart, very well executed script. Um, I think it's a, and you feel it, you know? So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's an important essential part of the foundation of a movie is having a good script or if not a good script, then really good concept boards and, and shot lists and everything like uh, George Miller on Mad Max. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that is, yeah, yeah. that is the other end of it. You have to have yeah. that in play because a good script informs the actors, a good script informs the tone of the piece, a good script informs the crew. It informs everything. So you, it's essential. It's an important ingredient for the whole thing. But I feel like, I don't know. I don't know if it was the advent of, of, of like Netflix binging and, and, and long running series where it just, there isn't enough money for people to, to, to do a lot visually. So then you, you start getting into shows where it's like, all right, we need to have, we can only afford three locations. So we got to write like, uh, you know, 15 minutes worth of dialogue in this fucking warehouse. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll cross cut that fucking warehouse in order to save some loot or like, you know, there's some zombies over the fucking hill here. Uh, you know, we have this one location. So let's stage like two or three conversations while they're doing shit here. And you're like, fuck, it's a lot of wordy shit. 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just cutting to such a tons of dialogue. I mean, Anthony, right now, he was he sends me off like just like examples or parts of his film, and and it's like he when he cuts it down to the core essence, it's like ah, oh, it just breathes so much more, mm-hmm. and you feel rather than being told. And I think oftentimes with this art form and let, it could be completely just my own take is, but I, I enjoy films that allow you to feel rather than being told all the time. A nice blend is great. You know, a great film that can do the both of them. I think is really the key, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult, but you're so right. A hundred percent. Right. I think a script just like a, a visual will really guide the tone and the, the meaning and the, why you're here. Cause you know, one thing I think for filmmakers or people that are just getting into film is you don't shoot films linearly. You go all over the place based on whatever you have in production <laughs> budget and timing and all that stuff. So you're not, you're not going, okay, well we start off here and we go there. It's like you're and So that's a real big problem for creating because you're not doing, you're not going from one line to the next. And so there's a lot of randomness that happens in the, in the interim and throughout that, that process. But um, that's why most films are actually really made in the edit room because there you just kind of take everything you have and a great, a great editor will really understand how to, you know, make gold out of, I don't know, copper, I guess. Dude, <laughs> that's a good analogy. So dude, every, yeah. every time, man, every time I like when people are like that director is a fucking genius. I'm like, come on, that's mm, a myth. Yeah. That's a fucking myth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nobody's really a genius if you think about it or just like people are just following. I mean, if you look at the main word, I guess it's like genius is more or less like I think if you break it down, it was like something of like um, like their genesis. They're they're doing what they're born to be doing, you know, if it's sense. And so almost everybody is doing that, you know, if you think about that. So if everybody's <laughs> a genius, nobody is. And then I think, yeah, it's so funny how people give directors all this credit. And it's true. Maybe they did. But at the same time, like when you go and watch a film at the end of it, it's all those people. It's almost like, um, it's a bad analogy. I understand. And it's probably people who don't like it, but like you think about Hitler, like think about how many people Hitler physically killed himself in comparison to the people that followed him and, 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 right. and did his bidding, you know, it's a, it's a completely different spectrum of numbers there, you know? So, um, and then the good things, there's other good things, obviously I'm just thinking of a negative thing, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, there's so many pieces and people involved in these processes and things and stuff. And oftentimes I'll find like, Oh, well, I'll do a little bit of research and go like when I started understanding like really what a DOP is and, and, and understanding who, what kind of DOPs I appreciate and admire and then what films they did and go like, wow, that's really cool. They carried that style of that one. That was a bad film, but that the looked really great, you know? So, or whatever. And it's kind of cool to see the different, and follow the different paths throughout the different, um, you know, films and seeing the creative influence that, um, one person can have over the other. So I feel like uh, oftentimes like, um, um, like the photography is getting so damn good and their people are so well versed in it that that's not no longer the problem anymore. And now I think the next big evolution, the problem is, is just like content and good writing really. <laughs> and, and that with anything, cause there's, there's amazing actors out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, mainly it's the stories and, and, and the create the creative nature of making authentic new stories, you know, rather than, you know, um, you know, Terminator 12 or like, you know, whatever, <laughs> like maybe that we need that. I don't know. Like whatever, like, yeah. But if you're going to do should, Terminator 12, do Terminator 12, but do yeah. it, do it, do it wild. Like yeah. I was, Tim Miller's doing the next one. He's a friend of mine. So I think he's going to do his own thing. Oh, he, fucking he, cool, man. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. that's he, rad, he, man. He'll, he'll he'll have his own approach, I think. Which I think that's his part of his nature too. He's I think because he he really is kind of similar to us, where he's kind of he's slowly gained his way up the food chain. So and I think he he understands how things work and he's just like really earned every step of the way. So he, uh, I think so. Yeah. It's cool, man. He seems like a really rad dude. Um, he's great to work with. Yeah. Awesome. That's super yeah. cool. Well, we worked on a cool project together. It was fun. I can't talk about it, but it's, it's a freaking massive one. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was a massive task and I was like, wow, thanks for letting me try to do this. This is insane. So <laughs> I don't know if, any, if I'll ever be able to share it or talk about it. So, but that'd be really cool the day I get to. So yeah. <laughs> Filmmaking. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me, uh, let me wrap this up. Cause we've been, we've been gabbing, uh, for almost an hour and a half at this point. So, yeah, man. um, it's been really good talking to you, brother. And, uh, well. it's really nice, uh, to hear a voice behind, uh, this wonderful art that I've been looking at for quite some time. And thank you. Um, it's, uh, I've, I've learned a lot talking to you and it's, it's nice to find, a bit of a comrade <laughs> yeah, as we sort of go through a lot of the same shit, man. So, um, I really appreciate you being on the show and, you know, hopefully someday we'll end up being able to work together on something. And then, um, until then, uh, thanks. Is there anything you want to plug? Is there anything you want to put together? Nah, for the end? Plug. No. Thank you everybody for being here and for everybody's just supporting and thank you first and foremost, you know, and I think the main thing is like, hopefully I wasn't being too negative or jaded. I hope the idea is that, we all just, you know, um, if you're looking at my work or whatever and, and you're like, what the hell are you feel like you're far away from it? It's like, I feel the same way. Um, when I look at others art too. So I think it's a universal thing. And I think the key is just to follow your bliss and to do the work that you feel most passionate about and tell the story that you feel passionate about and like, you know, contribute back to the, the community of art by creating your own authentic voice and being unique to that. And I think that's really for me the key here and that's what I'm trying to do it's, it's a challenge so yeah hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Ash as much as I did uh, it turns out he is a really cool dude in, in real life uh, we talked a bit offline and some of the stuff that he's working on is super cool man um, so I wanted to take a minute to thank our sponsors uh, first sponsor up is our boys at uh, Puget Systems. If you are in the business for an edit system right now, if you're out looking for uh, a new edit system and you don't want to pay Apple prices, uh, PC is the way to go. And actually, PC is stronger and faster and less expensive. Um, check out the guys over at PugetSystems.com. These guys build you custom PCs um, that uh, are amazing. Like I have two. 4K systems at McFarland and Pesci that we've cut, I've cut the past two films on. I know Ian just cut his movie on and we do most of our commercials and stuff. Um, and uh, they're fantastic. And uh, you don't just have to be in the business or in the market for an edit machine. You can also be a sound engineer, you could be a CAD draw. Um, whatever works for you, you actually just go to the website and you can choose the software that you use and they will suggest hardware to go with it. So. Uh, I can't say enough of good things about these guys. Uh, they support me. I love them. Go to PugetSystems.com. 
Also, uh, my company, McFarland & Pesci. Go to McFarlandPesci.com to check out all the new stuff that both me and Ian McFarland are working on. Uh, Ian is uh, touring around with his film, The Godfathers of Hardcore, which hopefully we'll have some big news on soon. Um, and uh, you'll be able to see the music videos. You'll be able to see the commercials and the stuff that I often reference on the show. So go to McFarlandPesci.com. Um, also... I've been doing, uh, if you follow me, please do follow me on uh, Instagram at Mike Petchy or this podcast. It's at In Love With The Process Pod, P-O-D. Um, and um, you'll be able to see a bunch of uh, behind the scenes photos. You'll be able to see uh, shots from our sets. Um, but I, it's also a great place to ask me questions. Uh, and I'm a bit distracted here because I'm trying to pull up one of the recent questions that I promised to answer on this episode. All right, so I have a question here from a user. Uh, it's Zine BK. I think it's how you say it. It's so fucking hard verbalizing Instagram names. Uh, it says, hello, Mr. Petchy. Hope you're having a great day. I just wanted to ask you about what you do for film directing, as I saw your, in your biography, you're a film director. Uh, I am into filmmaking, producing, and directing. As I have just graduated, I want to go to an academy or school of fine arts in general um, so I can study producing and filmmaking. Uh, I would love some advice uh, about this in general. Uh, okay, so it looks like he graduated from high school. Uh, how do I start? And I am writing some scripts. How do I share them? How do I get into the film industry? Okay. Um, so the best thing to do is decide uh, what it is. Do you want to be a director? Do you want to be a screenplay writer? Um, if you want to be a screenplay writer, then you should definitely take some classes on that. You should definitely take creative writing courses. You should definitely uh, learn the... Uh, the rituals that you were going to need to stay creative and to stay going. Like a, a big part about being a really great screenplay writer is being able to write on time. Uh, it's having uh, the ability to, to make your deadlines. It's having the ability to sit in a room and uh, come up with creative ideas on the fly. Um, so if you are into it uh, to be a screenplay writer, then I totally suggest that you take some courses uh, for creative screenplays. Um, but also, you know, take some like, actually take some creative like speaking classes and, and learn how to communicate because uh, that's really going to come in handy when you're pitching and you're communicating with a director or you're communicating with producers. Um, if you're looking to become a film director or a filmmaker in general, I, I always shy away from saying, hey, go to one of those big fancy schools that you're going to have a huge student loan chasing you because when you cut when you get out of that school you're not going to get paid right away and you're potentially not going to get paid for years and you're going to be expected to work for free in, in turn and then you're going to be expected to work for cheap um and then the if you have like a huge student loans breathing down your neck it's gonna kind of kill you you're gonna have you're gonna have to start getting a part-time job you're gonna have to start distracting from filmmaking um one of the best ways to learn now I mean, the best film schools out are out on DVD. I mean, you can listen to directors' commentaries. Uh, YouTube, love it or hate it, has so many great lessons for you, like whether or not you want to use a camera, whether or not you're figuring out how to edit. Uh, everything can be learned. I mean, you're listening to this fucking podcast, for God's sake. So, like, um, there, the internet can be a great school for technique and for learning how to use the tools of the trade. 
Um, but I would highly suggest that if you live in a city that has any sort of film industry or TV industry or any, any sort of, yeah, entertainment industry, excuse me, job that you can actually walk on set and, and learn, do it. I mean, once you hit 18, you can be a PA. You don't need a college degree to be a PA. And, and if you're a PA on the right jobs, you'll learn a hell of a lot about it. And more importantly, you'll learn um, what jobs you want to pursue. You know, I mean, from the outside, uh, directing sounds like the best job in the world. And then you may just get in there and go, I don't like it. You know, I, I actually like sound engineering, you know. When I started out and I, I was PAing or just working on sets, I would hang out with all the different departments and, and ask questions and put on headphones and, you know, learn about the truck, learn about packing trucks, learning about lighting, learning about how many guys it actually takes to lift certain things. And all these elements become really important for you uh, when you become a director. And these are the things that they don't teach you in, in class. Uh, filmmaking theory is important. Story theory is important. And, but you can take those as individual classes. Like if you find a community college that teaches that stuff and it's kind of the same fucking shit everywhere you know go do that you know save money and, and and go take a cheap course and then go to work go to work learn early and see if you like it uh i think that answers your question um you know i'm sure your parents will hate the fact that i'm not telling you to go to fucking college but you know and i'm not dogging on it i just just be smart about it understand that at some point, student loans don't just disappear. Understand that at some point you got to pay back student loans and, and sort of get an idea of how much money you're like, are you going to be able to fucking pay him back? dude? You know, the next time I have Dave, my assistant on the show, I'll have him talk about it again. He's just graduated from school now. Um, so he's in that boat that you will potentially be in in four years. Uh, so that's it, man. So like I said, follow me on Instagram at Mike Petchy or, uh, in love with the process pod. Um, and, uh, leave me some questions cause I, uh, will answer them. I will embarrass you in front of everybody. And, uh, thanks for listening guys. I really appreciate it. And please follow me. It makes a lot of difference. It helps the sponsors. It helps me stay alive. Um, so thanks a lot guys. Bye.